Tiger Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Warning, you are now entering the Blue Tiger 10, the intellectual dark web of comic book podcasting. Revenge is upon you. Hit the music. It's been a hot, hot second, but we are back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, back just in time, ready for the the turkeys to come flying out of the fucking oven and into your mouth. That's right. It's another episode of the comics that represent culture and the culture that represents comics. Your 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 very own Blue Tiger Revenge. I am. Comic book creator Tad Galusha, shoveler of snow, so much snow, and with me is the man, the myth, the heart and soul, king of beards, back from his California vacay. Just it was a quick one, ladies and gentlemen. Big Brian Bales, how's it going, Big Brian? I gotta, I gotta be honest, man. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty heated right now. Oh. Well, lay lay it down, Big Bry. Well, and the, you know this is this is what happens when you are the intellectual dark web of comics. Oh Jesus Christ! What it 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 just means that when you make when you make headway, it means the deep state is going to come and they're going to take you five steps backwards, right? And that's I mean we've already seen what they're doing with all this UFO stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's right there. And they're not giving it to us. Give you know what, though? But I found something even more egregious than them hiding UFOs. What have they done now? So I don't know if you know this, but uh, People Magazine, you know how they do I like mean, the... Maybe the number one news source in the world. Probably. Um, they have, you know, they do Sexiest Man Alive. They also have uh, Sexiest Podcasters Alive. I mean, I think we know who we, should be in the running. I mean, like, I'm looking at two guys right now, we, and and that's and that's what that's where my beef lies. They gave it to some pile of garbage named Taylor Lautner. I'll be honest, now, I I don't even know who that is, but the fact that now I think I might know who that is, and it, it shames me to admit this. Okay, okay, I'm pretty sure. I don't don't ask me how I know this, but I do. I'm pretty sure he's one of Taylor Swift's exes. I mean, who isn't at this point? True. <laughs> true. <laughs> very, very true. Uh okay, so what's his most isn't like wasn't he like in the what was those crappy vampire movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. What it was Twilight, right? Yeah, wasn't I, he one of those? Probably I've never seen him, but I've seen the trailers. Um I just remember he was really, really short. Yep, and they tried to do make him like an action star for a while there. Like he did there, a couple action movies that were really bad, and I think it's just he doesn't physically fit the mold. I, I don't know. Like I don't know. Tell that to Tom Cruise, but 
I think he's a lot smaller than even Tom Cruise. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, man. Like, the fact that you have two grade A prime men here. Beef. Kobe tiger beef. beef, baby. Yeah, tiger beef. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're on that tiger milk diet. Um, you know, baby, don't hurt me no more. But People Magazine found a way to do it. They found you know a way... What? I never the, thought the, I'd relate to Michael Trent. Yeah, and I the, do right the, now. The, the deep state got to People Magazine, and uh, you know we weren't uh, we weren't selected. Bastards. Yeah. Well, folks, if you're as irate as we are, yep. for this injustice, injustice, this is, what you go, this is what you do. I want all of our our, our pantheon and hordes of listeners. I want you to write People Magazine write and let them know Tweet them. that they're missing out on the sexiest, hunkiest tiger boys. That's right. This, this in this hemisphere. All right. In any yeah. hemisphere. In in, any in this hemisphere. galaxy. Let's be honest. In this galaxy. Yeah. Like it doesn't I mean, if, get better. Yeah. I mean, this. What's his name again? Taylor Lautner. This this Mister Lautner. He's not laying down that fresh tiger milk. No, he's he not, doesn't. He, yeah. yeah, no. What, what's he talking about? The time he dated Taylor Swift and they had the same name, so it made things easier. Right. I, you know. Right. Like. Right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sexiest podcaster. Also, like, what's his podcast called? I mean, there's a lot of big podcasts out there. And exactly. I'm pretty sure he is not the host of any of them. Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know. People Magazine, let's just put it this way. People Magazine is aware of the tiger milk. They're aware. I mean, like you said, I'm pretty sure the deep state are trying to repress this information. Exactly. I mean, they probably, it's, you know, it's uh, one of those, what are they called? PSYOP operations, probably CIA, you know, Mm -hmm. FBI, Mm -hmm. NSA. I mean, Operation Blue. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The real operation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. God, the suppression is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, you went to Universal Studios. I did. I did. Let me ask this: How lackluster of a trip was that? I kind of warned you. <laughs> it was uh, you know, oh, oh, for what it was, we had a good time. I had a good time. Um, you got to see your your babies have fun. I did. That's all that matters. I did. I got to, I took both of my kids and that was fun. And, uh, but Hey, be honest. The merch let you down. It Cause I know you're down. a merch guy. I am, yeah. you know, the, the, the new hotness there is super Nintendo world. So I was, I was pretty hyped for super Nintendo world. Cause uh big legend is Zelda guy, man. Like I love it. I live it. Yeah. And, uh, you get there. All there is, it's just Mario. They might. They should have just called it Super Mario World because there was nothing, nothing else. No Kirby. No. No, no Kirby. Metroid. No. No, no Metroid. No. No Zelda. Nothing. No Donkey Kong. What nothing. Do they do? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, come on. Wow. Uh, so it's kind of weird. You would think with all the properties well, under Universal. <sighs> And, and that, that, Jurassic World, even Jurassic like World Jurassic was there. Park yeah, the, 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 they have some Jurassic Park merch. They did. Yeah, they had. They actually had some kind of cool stuff there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I wish they would have just called it Super Mario Super Mario World because obviously they're writing that movie that came yeah. out. Um, but but you know what? Hat you know what? 
if you want to talk merch, you know what was awesome? You know what did real good? What? Big shout out. Cyberzoic. David Silva. Oh, I know. Creative Beast Studios. Cyberzoic. Fucking destroyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. destroying with their Kickstarter. They made, Yeah, like it was far beyond expectations. Um, and uh, I, I may have just found out that backer kits will be going out soon. So people will be able to do add-ons, but because it's Creative Beast Studios and you, they know what they're doing, yeah, uh, there's going to be opportunity very soon for people to, um, oh, I missed the campaign. That's okay. Yeah, You can still jump on. That's so, how you run a Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, I mean in my opinion, they're the, they're the gold standard for, or David's the gold standard for running Kickstarters. It's so good. So yeah, his smooth. social media is on point. Mm-hmm. He runs it. The social media runs year round. Um, constant with the updates. Yeah. You can add a couple other uh, studios who are a little. Uh, let's just say they like to fib. Mm-hmm. Especially with you know the delays and everything. Yeah. Lethal, lethal comics. Yep. Looking at you. Looking at you. Hmm. It's okay. We, we, I forgive you. Brian doesn't. I, 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 I never will. I don't, because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have cared if they would have gave me a refund like I asked, but or just maybe a little bit of a little bit of honesty. Yeah, goes a long yeah. way for sure. Or just just admit that you messed up. Yeah. So, sometimes that be like, dude, I completely fudged up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 no. But yeah, I'm hey. I'm. Congrats to Cyberzoic. Uh, yeah. uh, the pages that you're showing for the Cyberzoic comic look freaking awesome. So you know what's great? Those are just sample pages. I know those are even those aren't even from the actual. Com- they may work their way into the comic, but they're probably not. They're just like, hey, this is get ready. This is what it's gonna look yeah. like? Because like I wasn't happy with the background on one, the second page. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because like we've got all these different concepts for some of the arenas that we're working from. So it was one of those where like, I kind of did a hybrid based off the, like we had like, I think five or six different concepts I was looking at. And, uh, I think we're going to boil it down to like, what's the, the high, the high concept that we really want to run with. Right. Um, and just stuff like that. Really want to be accurate to the details. Not that those are necessarily going to get made into like play sets or action figures, but you never know. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's been fun interacting with some of the the hardcore fans that are, are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! The Acrocanthosaurus? <laughs> Have you seen the figure? I got one of those today. Did you see the fig?" And I'm like, "Oh, I was only working from the designs. Yeah, but how far along are they in the stages? Is it just paint mockups, or it, did you actually?" Do you have the figure? <laughs> no, it's awesome. I've said too much. I love it. I love it. It's fun. It, dude, it, it's, I got to be honest. It's one of the most fun I've had working on a project in a long time. Mm-hmm. Just, just with all the different people involved and the fans that are just like, just rabid. Like they just yeah. want info. It's, yeah. kind of, it's like, it's really great. That's what's up. Um, well, speaking of what's up, I think our uh, our guest should be joining any second. So why don't we uh, why don't we let him in? Yeah, let's do it. Check one two. Tiger Milk, Tiger Milk, 
And we're back with uh, tonight's special guest. That's right. The one and only Jim Terry, who's also tearing it up on Kickstarter as we speak with, uh, I believe, Vault Comics. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right on. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing, doing pretty good. So you're a fellow comic creator. Um, and we met you in Seattle this past Emerald city. And, uh, I basically how I kind of became aware of your work is I have been for the last, I don't know, I'd say a couple of weeks I've been reading, uh, come home Indio, which is like your first solo project. Correct. It's my first published solo project. Yeah. Okay. Or I, uh, before I started working professionally, I self-published about 12 issues of different books. Oh, okay. Nice. Now, would those be like uh, zines or like underground indie comics just within like the Chicago area? Well, that's where you would have bought them. You know, you (laughs) they were different shops in Chicago and I'd sell them at the cons, but they were all over. You know, there was a crime saga that I did. Cool. um, a fantasy book and a humor book, very dark humor. And um, they were just things that uh, I wasn't going for an underground vibe. I was just going for a, you know, mature audience type sure. uh, grown up book. So uh, it was funny that, uh, you know, in those days, all my stuff, whenever I'd show it to anybody, I'd show it to the indie stuff and they're like, it's too commercial. And I'd show it to the, I'd show it to the, in- to the commercial people and they'd be like it's too idiosyncratic so you know you just in a little world and, <laughs> and uh you know so you just do it yourself and i did i did like 12 of them and then finally people were like okay uh hey i i would i'd like to work with you nice so what was like you would say your first like break like your um i guess you call it like your break in project uh I that's think. definitely the crow book that i did skinning the wolves okay um, yeah, I, I was doing that crime book I I mentioned earlier, and I was just, you know, doing it at home, lettering it, everything by hand, and uh, I'd Xerox it. And I threw it on James O'Barr's table at a convention and, mm. because I love The Crow. You know, the yeah. book, The Crow, the graphic novel was really formative to me and, um, and inspiring. Yeah. So I, gave him, I just threw it on his desk and, like, walked away. You know, <laughs> like, and there you go. Yeah. And I think I had handwritten my email address in there. Oh, cool. I don't recommend anybody do that. That's not a very professional way to do things. But like four years later, and by this point, I had done several more books. Um, yeah. He emailed me and he said, hey, I, I just read the book. I don't know how I got it, but I just read this book and I think it has potential and and uh, and so we started talking via email, and we ended up hitting it off on numerous levels. We both love old movies and old comics, and yeah. both like big fans of Iggy Pop. So you know, it was like just talking. And and after maybe a year of that, I started going to conventions with him. And then he said, "Hey, do you want to do a Crow book?" And because he had just gotten, he had just negotiated something with IDW where he could do new Crow books and. He tapped me and and he said, "I'm going to give you an outline. You go ahead and write it, and illustrate it, and do the thing." And it was a very high, 
level entry into comics, yeah. professional comics. And, you know, I got, I got spoiled by that because he had negotiated a nice page rate for me and I hand lettered the book and he just bustled his way into saying, you know, no, let him do that. Cool. And, yeah. And he let me write all the dialogue and he tweaked things mm-hmm. here and there, but for the most part, he just let me do my thing. And I've never had an experience quite like that since. Yeah. 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 That's what it's, I thought so, it was. it's so <laughs> unique and interesting. Yeah. Um, well, Cause you know, like, especially when we have a, a creator on that, we, it's like our first time chatting with them in the, the old tiger den here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it's always interesting to hear everyone's kind of entry into the industry. And yeah. it's always like wide. everyone has a completely different story. Um, and uh, that might be one of the most wonderful it I think is. we've had on here. That's I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like when, you know, when he told you, I don't know how I got this book. Did you tell him, did you tell him the story of what you did? And like, what did, what did he say to that? Well, yeah, I, you know, it's something that we laugh about now. We've remained pretty good friends. And, um, you know, I, I, I flew down to Texas and went to StapleCon with him and, you know, we drove from Dallas to Austin and we shared stories and smoked probably 15 packs of cigarettes when I smoked. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and, and I told him, you know, we shared a lot. We shared a lot during those long drives. And, you know, I told him, I told him I was hammered when I did that too. (laughs) You know, this is, this is back in the day, you know, I probably, a flask of whiskey in my back pocket and just threw it on the table and said, hell with it, you know, and just kept walking. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, again, uh, something I would recommend in a professional capacity, but you know, I'm a different type of guy now. <laughs> sure. Sure. There you go. You know, it's interesting. You got me thinking about the crow is like when I was in college, it was one of those books that, seemed like everybody uh, was talking about like there was a whole subset of like students like artists that were like oh man the crow the crow and um i feel like this current younger crop of readers i I feel like they need a reintroduction to it you know like because the movie was a big deal yeah the graphic novel was huge I just feel like it's kind of time for it to get another kind of like i don't know maybe like a re-release or something like that they're they're making a new movie you know oh, are they I'm, okay yeah i'm sure that people will uh be interested in the source material but th- that book and that movie is a weird phenomenon it's one of those yeah. those outliers where it's just passed down yeah. from from generation to generation like the warriors you know i did yeah. a war movie poster one time and these teenagers were coming up going come out to play <laughs> <laughs> you know and I watch that movie with my dad all the time, you know, and it's, yeah, it's just one of those things that's passed down and survived. So uh, it'll be discovered. And again, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 You know, I mean, you're probably, you're probably a hundred percent correct. It's just, it's interesting that uh, there's certain aspects of like pop cultures. Cause you know, there's so much that comes out, but there's these just few things that seem to just, they survive every every decade. They just they yep. reemerge yep. and yeah. are reappreciated. I mean, if you if you think about like uh, what was the Oscar winner of nineteen ninety nine? Who knows? I have no idea. idea. Yeah, yeah. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But there are movies from nineteen ninety nine that you probably watch all the time. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, that came out in nineteen ninety nine. I watched that. You know. Yeah. 
things like that. It's like what, what survives and what appeals to you and what appeals to people or what's popular at that moment that'll fizzle later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we like really get into come home Indio, uh, I, I'm really curious cause we're big, um, proponents of like the whole Kickstarter yeah. Avenue. I love, I just love that whole vehicle. I just think it really empowers the creators a lot. Um, how are you liking working with Vault? Uh, I, I remember. I, I know it's based off a movie from the '80s, one of those barbarian sorcerer movie. I I just can't remember which one was it. Was it? It's Deathstalker. Deathstalker. Okay. All right. Deathstalker. That's right. How are Roger you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a Roger Corbin flick. Yeah. That's right. Uh, how how did that come about? How does that even? Because like, if someone told me like, hey, they're gonna do a Deathstalker graphic novel, I'll be like, really? Okay. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, from what I understand, and I try, I mean, I, I'll i be honest, I'm so busy drawing that I don't pay attention to a lot of the promotional stuff that's going on and things like that. Sure. Shoot videos, and I'm like, look, I'm my, my fingers are bleeding here, okay? I don't have time <laughs> to shoot a video for you, <laughs> but uh, which is, you know, my bad. But uh, the Kickstarter is for a deluxe edition of this book. They, there will be floppies of it. You know, okay, cool. there are 30, there, there are three 40 issue books and oh, the Kickstarter wow. is collected of them. So if you want that nice collected volume and all the goodies that come with it, you know, stickers and various covers and Boris Vallejo artwork and things like that, then that's what the Kickstarter is for. But if you just want to read the, the floppy, it will be in stores. Okay. okay. Nice. Did you were you a fan of that movie when that came out back in the day? I saw it. I, I saw everything. You know, yeah. I was I was I was hypnot hypnotically connected to the VHS machine when, when I was young. And uh, you know, I watched everything that I could and I did see it. It was not one that I loved. You know, it's not yeah. one that I watched all the time. Um, I think because it was it's it's kind of a mean movie. It's kind of mean. There's not a yeah. lot of no, and that's the first one. But um, they they did a second one. Jim Wynorski directed it, and it's it's almost slapstick. It's such a weird. It's and it and it went from that to that, and then to Sincere for Part Three, and then Part Four is like a swashbuckler version. Interesting. So it's kind of all over the map, and and um, well, I don't know how much I could talk about what's in the down the pipeline, but basically, yeah. um, slash used to uh, be like a night clerk, a night manager at a video store. And he fell in love with death stalker. Like he, whether it was the art or the, or, or the movie itself, who knows it's, you know, there's right. tons of movies that you watch a zillion times yeah. back in that day. And you just form a sentimental attachment to it. And oh, yeah. did. And uh, when he found out that the rights were open, he bought the rights and he said, I want to see a comic of this. So it is 100% his, his desire to read this book. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that pretty is, cool though. Yeah. And, and you get to work with slash like that's it's super cool, you know, because yeah. I I've worked with other, you know, I've worked on other properties where I'm, I'm sure that the, the people whose names were on it or who, who was inspired by it never even looked at it, you know, but yeah. He, I, yeah. I've been on those. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> You know, he is on the group chat and he is saying kick ass and, and looking yeah. at the art. It's super cool to have somebody like that yeah. um, 
who's super, uh, he's a fan, you know, he's, yeah. he's a comic fan. He's a fantasy fan. He's a horror nerd, you know, and he just wants to read this kick-ass book. I love and that. our job is to try and make a kick-ass book. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. That's cool. So did you, out of the whole, you know, cause that was like, a, I feel like after, you know, the, the whole aren't the Schwarzenegger Conan, there was like this whole genre oh, of swords and sorcery, yeah. right? Did you have a favorite beyond the, you know, Schwarzenegger Conan, the barbarian and all that? I was more of a road warrior guy. Now we're talking. Nice. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have the poster. Here. I see it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could see it there. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was more of a road warrior guy, but I did love the original Conan, and yeah, that came yeah. out eighty or eighty one, so yeah, somewhere that, around there. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, I saw that in the theater. I was six, maybe seven. Oh, oh wow! And my mom, my mom was a huge Conan fan. I mean, she used to have Savage Sword of Conan lying around the house, and I'd you know steal an issue and look at it because there's monsters. <laughs> scantily clad women and it gave me that funny feeling in my stomach <laughs> <laughs> i'm not supposed movie. to be looking at this yeah. but i really yeah. like it and i don't know why yeah <laughs> and that movie scared the hell out of me <laughs> oh know? that's awesome I have the big the big bowl with the hands in it and stuff and yeah you know, it, it really upset me and i loved it mm. you know so oh, that's awesome that's just kind of the weirdo that I am though. You know, I see that stuff and I, I just, I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. Even though it terrifies me. I just want more. A couple of years <laughs> ago, my sister was visiting and, uh, she usually comes up like once a year or so. And I try and like one year we watched the warriors. Um, the, I think the last time she was up here, uh, my wife and I were like, Oh, we did the sword and sorcery. We watched Beastmaster. Yeah, oh, I, you know, because she's like she's like thirty two, so she kind of missed that whole yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. like generation of like just weird fun movies, and she just was like the whole time going like I can't believe this is a movie. This is awesome. Like, how have they not done more of this? I go, well, they did. It just wasn't that great. Yeah, yeah. they've done a lot of yeah. them. Done a lot of them. Yeah, it's 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 super great, and and it's usually Italians or Roger Corman who will take an idea and just like make five thousand you know, uh, lesser, yeah. but because <laughs> I, the, uh, I don't know how many road warrior ripoffs or escape from New York ripoffs. Oh, or yeah. They're, you know, uh, 1990, the Bronx warriors, stuff like that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And most yeah. of them aren't really, I mean, they're not really watchable. They're, yeah. But, you know? I still saw them. I remember seeing uh metal storm, the, the, the death of Jared sin, something like that. It was, it was like a, road warrior type thing and it was yeah. in 3D and it scared the hell out of me you know it's <laughs> awesome and <laughs> had a guy like shooting acid out of a fake arm and the acid went straight <laughs> at the screen that was, oh that's know, cool loved it i feel like some of those older even i know uh, they're supposed to be about comics but i feel like we're talking matter. about like 80s yeah. vhs movies but it's storytelling it's storytelling. when are we going to talk about hard ticket to hawaii that's what i want to know <laughs> it's classic <laughs> The late night Cinemax by Malibu Bikini Shop. No, that's That's right. (laughs) But the the comic Deathstalker is essentially like an 80s VHS movie. I love that. that. Oh, that's cool. So that's that's what the vibe we're going for. Except with. With what? Say that again? With a budget. With a budget. budget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, like, you guys are making it fun. It's like going to be a lot of fun. I mean, because those movies were so much fun. Even the bad ones. 
were yeah. so much fun back then. Just there was something. There yeah. are things that, uh, you know, I've worked with Tim Seeley for, for a long time now, and we've worked on several projects together. And uh, there is still stuff that he puts in there where I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, do this. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, I like I like Tim's work. He does some really like really cool stuff. And man, that dude's like a workhorse. I feel like he's got like nine different books coming out like every other month. It's it's he's wild. One of the dudes I know. Yeah, he's he's like, hey, you want to work on this thing? And I'm like, no, I'm I'm worn out. You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just finish this thing and this thing's starting and and it's a it's a good problem to have. But that mm-hmm, guy yeah. that works uh, that guy works like a beast. You know, and, yeah. and I'm easier than him. But he's I mean, just typing. He, you know, he's not doing all this bullshit. That <laughs> That's right. That's right. He stopped drawing a long time ago. What's he talking about? There you go. He, he still draws. He still draws. Is he old. still doing? Doing? Yeah. Because I remember I almost worked with him years and years ago. It was right at the very end when they were getting ready to retire. I think it was Hack and Slash. And yeah. him and I were talking briefly. I was really young. I did not have the chops at the time, like I was right out of school and I think I did like a cool pinup or something for him. And he was like, okay, maybe to do like four issues of this hack and slash, I think this is going to be like one of the last mini series for it. And, um, it was one of those where like, I had to admit to him, I was like, I, I can't do pencils and like, I need two days to do a page still. And he was like, oh man, I, that's, this is going to be on a deadline. I think it was for like IDW or dynamite or something like that. So it was just, it wouldn't have worked out. And, you know, I, I, you know, maybe I should have lied, but I probably was better. (laughs) You never know. Yeah. You never know. (laughs) That's one of the great things about Tim is, um, you know, he, he is always looking for somebody new to work. He's always yeah. looking for somebody to give a chance to, That's you great. know, it's always he's like uh, here in Chicago, we have a pretty damn good comics community and uh, almost everybody has worked with Tim in some capacity. You know, he's like, Hey, hey is there anything? Oh, oh, I like what you're doing there. Here, hit me up. Uh, we'll do a pinup or, you know, maybe you could do, do coloring on this thing, you know? And, and he's yeah. just really, generous guy in that in that aspect and and in regular life we're we're really solid pals you know that's cool that's cool now that since you mentioned it um because i've only been out to chicago a few times just for uh, you know family stuff essentially um how is the the comic scene out there is it is it pretty you know pretty busy is there a lot a lot of folks out there uh, well, you know how it is now. It doesn't really matter where you live so much, you know. And uh, but there was a huge when I first started coming into like I didn't even know there was a scene here. You know, I was just drawing at my house. I got wind somehow of a drink and draw, and I started going to that, and uh, that's where I met Tim. You know, and oh, cool. uh, and Mike Norton, and you know. Uh, oh. uh, there's a bunch of other people going at the time, Hillary Barda, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people were going to that. And, and that was like a brief time, but I made a lot of connections there and it was, you know, that, that's what I would suggest to anybody who's in a community, find the people that are doing the same stuff that you are. And eventually, you know, somebody's going to be like, Hey, let's do something together. And you just never know when something's going to click. You know, first thing I did for Tim was, like uh, an eight 
six or eight page short story for a comic, uh, a toy collection that he wanted to do, you know, for oh, dark. Cool. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Like just do this eight pager. And, and, uh, I did it and he liked it. And then we started working on sundowners after that for dark horse, oh, you know, cool. so, so it's just like saying yes to things and, and just, mm-hmm. just trying to get in the community because people forget you exist really quickly. Oh. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, when we were in Seattle, I had that experience. Yeah. Uh, Where have you, you know, been? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. Somebody, I had people somebody be like, you. oh man, you're still around. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, <laughs> pandemic took like some time yeah. off just to re, you know, recalculate the brain there. And, uh, yeah. yeah and people were like, guy, there's a guy who's, who's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big, t- he's a big deal. And, uh, I was out for a jog, uh, right around the pandemic time. Maybe, and I was out for a jog and I saw him, uh, just like chilling out, eating outside at at a cafe. And we chatted for a second and he was like, are you, so are you still drawing? And I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just because I'm not on your algorithm doesn't mean that I've stopped drawing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was, I was aggravated, you know, but, uh, we've, we've mended the fence since then. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, you know, it's one of those things you, I guess it's, it's like you said, it's so easily to just kind of fall off people's radar. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been lucky enough to be working on a few like projects that have kept me busy the last couple of years. So, but there, none of them are like really mainstream or they're waiting for release. Yeah. And so it was one of those where people were just like, yeah, like are you, are you still working? Like, yeah, man, I'm doing more work now than I ever have. Just, it's not out yet. You know, it's coming. Yeah, but, Don't worry. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah. if you're still working, you're still working. And I always say like, whatever I'm doing, cause I've done books that will never see the light of day. You yeah. know, I've better books, whether they were vanity projects for somebody or, you know, they, this is a passion project. It's like, Hey, if you make my page rate, I will do the best job I can on your book, yeah. whether or not yeah. he's alive today. I've done the work. The work is there. And I've learned from whatever I've done on that as well. You know, every, every page I do, I'm learning something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Never yeah. a waste. You know, I've, I've put, I've put a roof over my head and, and you have your book and, you know, I mean, yeah. think all the, all the, uh, hidden stuff that like the, like say Wally Wood. Oh, that we yeah. don't know it's Wally Wood because yeah. he was working, you know, he was just working. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what's so interesting. I think about like, uh, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a journalist and he didn't realize that, you know, I, I mentioned some comic artist or something and he was like, oh, what has that guy done? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he hasn't had a book out on the shelf in years. I'm like, man, he's been, uh, he does, you know, most comic artists do like commercial work too. He's probably been working on like big commercial projects, storyboards, all that kind of stuff. Like I was like, that's what he's been doing. <laughs> like yeah. he's, he's plenty busy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people don't understand that, that comic books, especially drawing comic books is a bad investment. Yeah. Of, you know, it is, yeah. you know, it is, <laughs> <laughs> it is it not really is. the reward, you know, the, no. the work, 
And, uh, and people don't realize that and they don't realize that, yeah, okay, I do storyboard work too. You know, I, I used to do that before I started working professionally in comics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to like pay the bills, but also like you're still working like at your, you're still sharpening your tools at storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And and to be honest, like the money is so much better. You can't say no to it. You know, like uh, working one day on storyboards is equal to working like two weeks on in a comic. You know, uh, so, yes. So you just, <laughs> you just have to do it, and yeah. and uh, you know, uh, but it's not what I want to do. What I want to right. do is comics, so yeah. that is what I do. You know, and hopefully you get to a place where you know that's that is what you can do. You know, there, this deadline for Deathstalker was probably the tightest one that I've had to do, and. um at least for the first issue because yeah. the starter and stuff like that, they, you know, there's, there's obligations and yeah. they're like, okay, deadline. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, and I would get cranky. You know, I started getting cranky cause I was doing like 12 hour days and, um, so yeah, I mean, not, not every day, but there were a few of those where I was sure, just man. like, Hey, okay. Um, and then one day I was thinking like, man, I got to do this tomorrow. And then I was like, wait, all I have to do is draw. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah. All I have to do tomorrow is draw. Like that is what I have to do is sit there and draw. Right. And yeah. it was just lifted, you know, because every once in a while I get grateful again. You know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, you know, like you get caught up in just the, like the labor of, I think the page production itself. And then it's like, mm. Oh Yeah. I'm f- I'm drawing a a warrior fighting a you know a forty foot long dinosaur today. Yeah, I could be like you know going to the job site or something like that and doing something that I don't really my heart's not in. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know about y'all, but I have worked many many a miserable job. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, for same. sure. And then come same home and drawn after that. You know, so it's like okay, all I have to do is get up and draw. This is the goal. I've yeah. achieved the goal, and yeah. now I'm. So, you know, buck up, Sonny. Oh, go ahead, Bryce. I was just, you know, I was curious, you know, when you talked about, you know, reading Conan as a kid uh, and how impactful that was, were there any other comics, you know, growing up that you were reading that made you realize, yeah, this is is what I want to do? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. And on opposite sides of the spectrum, too, Mm -hmm. because... Um, the first comic that I really, really fell in love with was amazing Spider-Man mm. and it was, it's weird. It's really weird because I was on a panel with about five other artists and three of us had this exact same issue that oh, we whoa, both really, we, we all three of us fell in love with the exact same issue. And it was the Madam Webb storyline. It was John Romita Jr. It was oh yeah. Early, yeah. His very, in the late 70s and it was the juggernaut and the juggernaut's coming to kill madam webb and spidey is just in his way he's just trying to stop him and he can't and there was something about that the way that he illustrated it and the fact that it was an impossible task but of course spider-man is not going to say you know no to that all of that really just spoke to me and i was like i have to find what happens i have to find out and then i'm hooked i'm hooked on spidey i'm hooked on peter parker just this normal dork you know yeah. and um 
with with <laughs> problems and he's broke you know and but but when when he has to do something he just picks his ass up and tries to do it you right. know and yeah. something about that that really spoke to me so that's spider-man that's fascinating though other other artists were inspired by that same issue that's cool. yeah i mean i know that my studio mate mike norton that was one of the books that that hooked him as well and um there was somebody else there who i can't remember but we were all like really we we looked at each other on the panel and it's like no shit um but also again my mom she loved creepy stuff and horror and mm-hmm. and i remember there was a uh there was a copy of twisted tales are you familiar with twisted tales yeah yeah the pacific comics the short lived yeah. comics it's I used like, to have a bunch of Pacific comics that I got. Uh, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to go to the Cuber school and oh, I, I worked as a secu- like the security guy there uh, for a couple years. Oh, and cool. um, so people would come in and drop off their comics for the library and they'd be like, Oh, just you know, search through them, take whatever you want. And I, I had like a bunch of Comico Pacific um, yeah. Epic and Eclipse comics that I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this crap is, but well, I'm seeing Wallywood. I'm seeing Frazette. I'm seeing all this kind of crazy stuff on here, you know, like Doug wildly. I better. I, so I would snag yeah. books. Yeah. 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 Uh, Al Williamson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, but, though. So, yeah, there was a there was a um, there's one of those books, and it was uh, a Bernie Wrightson cover. Oof. And it was this man, you know, it was a bunch of kids in the for- in the background, looking over their shoulder, running from this man who's in the foreground, and he's walking through, you know, knee high level grass, and the grass is beautifully rendered, and he's just wearing like jeans and a shirt, but he's holding an axe, and he's got slung around him on a rope are these severed heads that like the i know is, that cover yeah you yeah. know that cover? yeah i know that drawing like, yeah the rope goes through one mouth and out the ear and in the <laughs> eye holes of another one and it horrified me i was so petrified but i couldn't take my eyes off of it you know and it was so beautiful and also so terrifying and that affected me as equally as the spider-man stuff like that, yeah. that like i i want more of this too you mm-hmm. know so, so those are like the two worlds that, that uh, I was fascinated by. I, I mean, if it weren't for probably the work of Bernie Wrights and I probably would have stopped like when I was a student, even thinking about, but as soon as I found his stuff, I was like, Oh, okay. There's a whole world beyond the whole, like love Jim Lee, but I just never got into the whole like nineties superhero yeah. mm-hmm. like craze. Yeah. So you. when I, I know. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, but when I found that whole like Bernie Wrightson and, you know, then like Steve Bissett and some of these other guys, I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in like, we're, we're going you know, for the long haul. There's something amazing about Bernie Wrightson and, and I know what it is. I don't know why it is. I don't know how it is, but you know, aside from the Frankenstein stuff, because that's like, you know, that's like, I, that's like Sistine Chapel shit. Yeah. Yeah, but, and he I don't even think Wrightson could maintain what he did for Frankenstein. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, it was it like blew his mind out. It, he he yeah. never quite the same afterwards, you know. His no. work was quite the same. But um but in general, his work is you know, like I look at Wally Wood stuff or I look at like Alex Toth, guys like that, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And I can never do it. Yeah. You know, but I look at Bernie's stuff and I think that is amazing. And I can never do it, but I really want to try. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That. Right? Oh man, that is the perfect summary of Bernie Wrightson's. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just there's like an organicness might, about uh, it or something. Yeah. 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 I think that there's there's like subtle imperfections in what he does that makes it seem achievable, and yeah. like he can't. You know, his women's faces aren't aren't fantastic. No, like, no. Like just that, but it's like. But look at that dress. Look at the shadows on that dress and the texture and that and those curtains and you know, having fun with things that you didn't think you would have fun with. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh Joe Joe when I I was lucky enough, Joe Kubert was still teaching when I was there, and Joe always oh, used yeah. to talk about texture and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like the next always the example immediately we go to Bernie Wrightson because I think it was oh, wow. just because texture wise, he could make kind of anything look interesting. Like you said, like a dress all of a sudden, which would just be kind of, you'd pass over it and with most other artists, but instead you'd be like, Whoa, dude, like look at the way this gal's running and yeah. the dress is more interest is the most interesting thing. The flow of the dress is the most interesting thing on the panel. I don't and know. I think there, yeah, there's an infectious joy in his brush that that Mm. makes that is inspiring to me at least where I'm like, God, that that looks so fun and beautiful. And I want to try it. You're making me want to go. I haven't pulled out all my Bernie rights and stuff in a while. And like, are you going to have to now? I, yeah, you make, I'm going to have to pull it out probably tonight. Now you have have his book, a look back. Uh, I don't think so. I have a, no, I have just a few like different collections of his. Like I've got one that's like a collection of like horror stories that he did for I think it was like Erie magazine or something like that. Um and yeah. then of course like uh, yeah, the swamping yeah. stuff. Um, um I highly yeah. recommend if you if you can find it's called a look back and a it's back. a perspective of his work up to I don't know, I want to say before the cult, before like that Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and it's awesome. There's stuff in there that I've never seen before. And uh, oh, wow. there's early things, early things. And one of the best things, and this is why I love Bernie, is there's a drawing and it is, you know, it's really rendered, but it, you could tell that he's learning still. He, I think he yeah. was probably 16 when he did it. It's still better than most of the stuff I do today, <laughs> you know, but it was, but, and, and it said, uh, and inside the lettering, it just says Frazetta forever. Oh man. That's cool. And that is just Bernie, like putting his heart into something and saying like, Frazetta's my hero Fra- Frazetta forever. And it's just like the fan in him, you know, just coming out and it's infectious, man. It's, it, it, it's endearing as well. So I just looked yeah. up this book on Amazon, uh, yeah. a hardcover, $450. Uh, oh, oh my! A paperback. Oh my. Someone has it listed for ten thousand dollars. I don't know. Better fun in my copy. Well, yeah, you, right. <laughs> well, you know these books they go out of print and yep. then they just go ridiculously sky high. Yep. You just got to, yeah. you know, they'll reprint it and pick it up when they reprint it. Yep. You know, or right. find a better copy on eBay. I think it was like 10 years ago or so uh, they did the re-release of his, you know, his a dark horse re-release his Frankenstein, you yeah. know, and it was like in this big black uh, bound cover. I only found out about it because I remember I was watching a documentary about motorhead and they showed <laughs> Lemmy Kilmeister on his bus and he was reading it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? What is that? I need to get that. Like get yeah. out of the way. Lemmy. like, what is that? You got a Bernie Wrightson book, 
But my wife found an old from when that was originally being published. Apparently, there was some publishing house called like Apple Comics or something. They were only around for a little bit, but they uh, they published a book that was all of the um, like throwaways. It was the stuff that got edited out or it was drawings that he started oh, and then didn't finish. And it's interesting because some of them are like halfway done. And then you could tell a band or like others where he started it and it was, it just, it was a little off. It was a little funky looking. And so it just went into like a, you know, okay, the, the editors pick, we're discarding this image. And so it had like, um, but yeah, not, so I've got, that's probably my, my coolest Bernie Wrightson thing that's- I've got. A very cool book, awesome. and I'm jealous. I, yeah, no, it's. I, I just got. I don't know where it's at. It's somewhere on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Oh man, I'm so. I love talking about some like a lot of the, I, I the the OGs. I feel like the guys that really set up the industry to be at least artistically where it's at today. Because sometimes when you talk with some of the younger kids, I feel like they don't aren't all the time aware of some of these guys. Cause it's, you know, like, especially with all the, like, I mean, some of these concept artists are doing some really crazy stuff. And so when you talk about like Bernie Wrights and I feels like sometimes they're like, well, cause there's not a lot of like comics history classes. I think that are taught, you know, you really have to go out of your way, kind of really have to delve into the medium itself to discover these people. Yeah. And you know, who can, who can blame them for not knowing? I didn't know. I didn't know half of the people that I admire now until I was in my thirties. You know, right. and so it took me time to start looking back uh, because I was caught up in, in the uh, like the vertigo stuff and all that. And mm-hmm. I was like, this shit right here. And then I start looking at EC comics and I was like, oh, my God, look at this, what they're doing here. You know, and then my mind is blown. Then I discover Will Eisner and it's like, oh, it's like, OK, so there's a lot more to learn. And what I think the difference is. And it's not dissimilar in my mind to like the nineties boom with the Jim Lees and the Mark Silvestri's and all those guys. Yeah. Where like suddenly the artwork is new. It's different. And it's, yeah. you know, it's mind blowing in some way. Yeah. And, but the storytelling gets lost. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so to me, it's like these guys, the, the meat and potatoes stuff, like the storytelling is the important thing mm-hmm. you at first. And then you, you make it pretty according to the, what fits the story. Yeah. You know, I think that I, I've picked up some books recently where I can't even tell what the hell's going on. Like I can't, I literally can't tell what is going on. Uh, beautiful. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what's happening. Who, where are they? Who are they talking to? What is, yep. what is even the surroundings? And so for me, going backwards and looking at these old pros and how they established the language, the visual language, it's like, oh, okay, so this is the important thing. Because what I want is, naturally, I want somebody to appreciate the art and to like it. Sure. But more importantly, as a storyteller, because that's what I consider myself first and foremost, is do they know what's going on? Am I, am I portraying the emotion behind this scene? Am I capturing, you know, uh, how, how the person is feeling when they're saying something? And that's, that has become more important to me than, than uh, dazzling with detail or, you know, dazzling with design. Mm-hmm. It's more, yeah. does, are, are you connecting with it? 
you know, and uh, right. I, I something and be stunned by its intricacy or by the brilliance of, of the illustration and feel disconnected from the story, you know, and in comics, I mean, with a painting, that's, that's ideal. You know, you, you want to, you want to be mesmerized, but in sequential storytelling, that's distracting to me. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I am a hundred percent. I, uh, I've gotten in, I've had many, many debates with folks in the industry who are like, I guess they're more for like the, the dazzle, the razzle dazzle. And I think it's maybe just cause I went to the Kubert school. And so yeah. like most of the people you're learning from are like, no, this yeah. is how you tell a story hardcore, you know? And, uh, so yeah, sometimes I kind of felt like the, we would butt heads are like, yeah, look how amazing this is. And I go Who cares if I can't tell what's going on without, if I have to read every single thing, the character, every character says, so I just know the premise of the story. Then I, I kind of feel like it's a failure. <laughs> like, you know, well, I, from a story standpoint, not as an overall thing. I just, from a story standpoint, it's like, if I can't understand like the gist of like the overall themes, there's something missing here, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I've read, I've read the two books that I picked up from you in Seattle. What is it? Oh uh, God. Just going to destroy me now. Kaiju Libre. Yeah. Kaiju Libre is uh, a book that I'm doing for arc welder uh, mm-hmm. studios out of Boise. And then uh, I want to say you picked up Cretaceous, which was like my, that was, yeah, that was like my first, like I wrote and, uh, and illustrated. That was like my first kind of like mainstream baby, I guess you could say. And you also illustrated pelts, right? Yeah. 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 That's all done. I think it's being shopped around right now. I believe that's what's going on. So yeah, I I, I like your storytelling, you know, thank you. It means a lot. Yeah. This is, this shit's good. Yeah, I'll take it. All right, so I don't <laughs> just sound like I'm blowing smoke. <laughs> just yeah, no, no, yeah, definitely. I was, I, I was good. I enjoyed all of them. You know, what was interesting with Cretaceous was actually it was hard getting a publisher convinced that we were going to tell a story without words. And that's always difficult. Yeah, yeah, and they just were like, "Well, what do you mean? How would you do that?" And I would use that analogy of like if you can't if if the visuals don't can't guide the eye and give the basic basic foundation of the story then like uh, you know like then i'm i've already failed as a storyteller as it is so like we shouldn't even be having this conversation and they so like <laughs> what's up so dramatic yeah and I, yeah a little probably a little too dramatic i was i was very young at the time um that's uh, the time to do it though that's the time yeah, it is it is yeah, and finally I got like I got the right editor. I got in front of the right editors. Like weirdly, the very first, I think the first company I even was in front of was Marvel, and mm. I don't know why because it was like ultimately you know, there's no way they would publish something like that. Um, but uh, somehow I got in front of a couple editors over there, and yeah, I, well, you yeah, should they, be super proud that you stuck to your vision and, mm-hmm. and you set out to do because it's easy to buckle just to just to try and get it out there, you know, it's it's enticing to think that you can get it in people's hands. And if you have to compromise a little bit, then whatever you got to do to get it in people's hands. And uh, that's awesome that you, that you stuck to your guns and did it. That, that means a lot. Yeah. That, no, that really means a lot. Thank you. Uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like uh, Brian and I were talking about this the other day about I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for people to get published right now, but there's not necessarily a ton of opportunity for creators to get published doing the vehicle that they want to do. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of compromise, whether it's like financial pay or just maybe on a project that they, you know, their heart isn't really in, you know, do, you know does that make sense? You think I'm yeah, out of line on that? That's a tale as old as time. Yeah. Right? True. Very I mean, true. Very true. Every creative endeavor, even like the old, like I'm a big movie fan, you know, like Cassavetes starred in Rosemary's Baby and he took the money and he made many of Moskowitz. Right. You know, but it's like, okay, I'm the ideal is to like do your project that you're being paid to do. And then yep. on the side, you got this thing that you really care about. Right. Right. Yeah. And that I do, I have several projects that I'm involved in that, or that, that I have been personally working on, on my own. I have, you know, this fantasy book, I've got four issues done. Nobody's read it. What? Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Nobody's is this a, is this a first? Is this an exclusive here? <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell us more. Tell us more. But yeah, it, it's a continuation of a, uh, a story that I started, you know, 15 years ago. And, um, and there was a period where I wasn't working on anything and I sat down and I hammered out four issues and like, well, shit, I want to read it. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And, and it's just been sitting there. I'm, I'm like, do I color this thing? You know, I, I, and, and do I have time to color it now? And, but it's like what I want to do. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, yeah. hey, I want to get this one done. I have several other story ideas for mm-hmm. this person. And uh, I'm a big, you know, fantasy nerd. You know, I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. I read it like once a year. Nice. So, like, this sincere fantasy is not a thing that is super hot right now. Sure. It's got to be gritty or it's got to be ironic or right. whatever. I'm like, okay, I just want to tell this story about, like, monsters and, and, and like, good people, you know. And uh, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of room for that in, uh, in like, the readily marketable world. Yeah, it's so all Game it's of Thrones type now. Super. Yeah. 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 If somebody's not doing something that is shocking and shameful, yeah. <laughs> people aren't interested. You know, it's like, it's, but that's, it's a cycle. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's a cycle. And who breaks a cycle but the person who puts something different out there? Exactly. But yeah. I just got to, uh, I just got to find the time. I, I need to get a good colorist in there because I'm not good with colors. Oh, you and you, I feel like I only get hired to do like projects where it's like everything. And I don't mind that. I love it. And I find it very complimentary, but I am so colorblind and anytime they're like, so what do you, what's the, when they start bringing up like colors and the coloring budget, I'm always like, ah. Oh. Oh, like really? I need like a thousand dollars a page, man. This is, <laughs> this is this is you're breaking my back every yeah. page. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I uh, in fact that's why I started working digitally was um, because I was hired to do um, a book. Well, I was asked to do a book. I was very graciously asked to do the Crow versus Hackslash for Tim. Mm. Oh, cool! Oh, very cool! Yeah, and this was right. I had already accepted the gig to do Indio. And um, so I was like, cause I was approached to do that. That was not something that was born out of my own desire to tell my story. Oh, really? Interesting. Oh, okay. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm generally a private person, and, uh, and same. Yeah, very. Doing something like that was terrifying to me, but uh, I'll tell you that in a second. But you sure. know, I, I was working on this Crow versus Hack Slash. It was just a three issue book, you know, and um, but they wanted me to color it as well, and you know, I'm like. I cannot do this. I cannot hand ink all this stuff, scan it in, clean it up, and then sit there with a, like basically a brick with my mouse and try and color this thing. I'm not fast enough. Yeah. So I bought it and I would import the inks and then just paint over on the, and procreate. And uh, by the second issue, I was like, shit, I should do my pencils on this too. And then just ink on the, and then by the third issue, I was like, I'm just inking this thing in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because the deadline was crushing, you know? Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, now, now I do it half of the time. I do it digitally. Oh, so you just go back and forth, like sometimes yeah. analog, sometimes digital? Yeah. Yeah. I try to make sure that I draw traditionally enough that I don't lose my chops, but mm-hmm. really the way the speed that you're expected to do stuff, it's, it's impossible for me to even comprehend sitting there with a brush and then erasing pencil lines and doing all that. It's hours. It's extra hours for each page to do that stuff. And have you thought about, do you use blue line at all? Have you tried that? I did. I, yeah, but it's, there's something about it that I don't care for. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty much old school like i'm still pretty analog i do my layouts now digitally yeah and then i pencil everything i scan it in and then i'll do all my corrections and stuff in there digital Mm -hmm. and then i print it out blue line ink analog and then do the same thing scan it in and do my and i think my process is probably slows me down a lot but i'm just i don't know I've, i've tried working just digital and i just cannot um, there's something that's lost in the transition. Uh, I don't oh, know what yeah. it is. I mean, like, you know, what's weird is people can't tell that I'm working digitally. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Most of them mistake it for traditional because, um, I'm sloppy. I'm still sloppy. Even oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even doing, uh, digitally, I'm just like, uh, it's not that it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I like the energy that mm-hmm. being yeah. a little poppy has you know um that little bernie wrightson that's in there yeah, yeah you know there we I, go. it's the jack davis you know it's like yeah the, the guy's arm is like six feet long and it's totally inaccurate but it just works right yeah. so you just leave it and um you know so so that is and also i think that do you use a pen or a brush do you, traditionally do you ink uh it just depends i pr- i'm starting to work my way back to brush just because I found that the line weights and stuff just look, they look healthier on the page when I convert them back to digital. Um, for a while I went like, I was really, I was like, um, I was up in Helioscope, Helioscope uh, studios in Portland for a little while. And I was sitting next to uh, Dustin Weaver. And at the time he was look, using like rapidographs and like tech pens. Yeah. And so I kind of adopted that because he just puts so much detail into stuff. And I really love that. Um, and, uh, so now I'm just trying to do like a hybrid of everything. So it's like, okay, if I got to do some tech stuff, I'll hit it with the, the yeah, repetographs yeah. and the nibs, and then I'll convert over to brush. But I feel like now I'm at a point where I need to start. I want to try and do a book all brush at this point. That's kind of on my, my next 
bucket list of next things to do. Um, yeah. It just depends on the project. It just depends on the project. Like, yeah. I like all sure. tools, you know. Whenever I have to do anything mechanical, unless you're Paul Pope and that's your thing, you know, you gotta. I have to bust out a pen. You yeah, know, and I hate it. I I don't care for using pens, which is weird because the digital thing is is pens. But because I'm not used to that pushback that a pen has, I'm used to the glide of a of a brush. Yeah. I think I quickly to the the glass screen and just not like having that resistance and more being like, okay, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to glide across this thing. And uh, I, I do hatch a lot more. Yeah. When doing digital, but, but um, yeah. Like, like when I did Cretaceous, that was all old school, uh, like pencil yeah. on the page, or, you know, and then I would hit it with a nib and then I would go back in with brush. Like I was trying to be like, okay, how would Toth and Cubert, how would those guys approach something like this, you know, or how would, you know, uh, I don't know, Barry Windsor Smith approached some of this stuff. Like I was really trying to, you know, um, and I, I think it really benefited me because I, I did find that I grew a lot. Um, and uh, now it's, I don't know. Now it just depends on the product. You know, like I, yeah. I'm doing like a commercial gig right now and the whole thing's digital, the entire thing. Just like you said, speed. Cause like they don't care. They just, yeah. like, we got to have and this for the. Any, any kind of like commercial stuff or if it's like some, somebody who's like, Hey, I want you to do this thing for me. I'm like, nobody's ever going to want this original art. So I will no. do it. Well, yeah. 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 That's the interesting thing is I think, um, because the, there's so fewer and fewer people using traditional, um, like physical tools. I think that if you're working on anything that actually has recognizable characters, like it's smart to work analog just yeah. because like, like I worked on like Godzilla briefly, you know, I did some covers and stuff and yeah. like that it was, I made more money selling the, the original pages than I did than There's actually working of, for the company. Yeah. What's up? There's not a lot of it anymore. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It, but um, we got to talk about come home. Oh, yes. um, just as like you said, you were a private person. Um, that was one of the things that I was so blown away is that like you really, um, opened the door and I think you could have made the portrayal of yourself. Like you could have made it more about like of a character, but instead I felt like it was really on it. You know, like the character, they have their highs and lows, you know, like it kind of becomes almost like a hero's journey, but I felt like it was just really honest. And I felt myself, especially in the early, like that, like the high school, middle school stage, those awkward phases where you're trying to fit in and Mm -hmm. you're trying to, you're really bad at just like, talking with people and trying but you're trying to connect right uh, like that whole sequence when you were um with like some of your cousins uh i think it was over on like one of the reservations or something and you discovered drinking and they'd be like yeah come out and at first you're real hesitant because like oh we're not supposed to do this but then you were like to the point where you're annoying them uh yeah. you know like yeah let's go drink let's go drink like i kept going like oh my god Oh, I was one of those. I remember that. Like, I was one of those guys, you know, that I was that kid for a little while where, like, I was really shy. And then someone opened the door and then I wouldn't shut up, you know, they just <laughs> wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. It's just that kind of stuff where, like, the first, like, trying to date and everything. I don't know. I just felt like you showed some vulnerabilities that were really relatable that I don't, I don't, you don't see in a lot of memoirs that, uh, and just the overall story. Like, it was just, you're tackling some really heavy stuff. And, 
it's even more impressive now that someone approached you about that and you were like, yeah, yeah I will put myself out there like that. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I would say no way. Love, love to hear the story behind that. How like someone came to you and said, Hey, tell your story. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't exactly that at first it was, um, I was at the indigenous comic-con and <clears throat> I had been to standing rock for, for a brief time for the, uh, the protests against mm-hmm. Apple. And, um, Awesome. And there was a there was a, a woman there, Liz Francis, who was starting her own publishing house. And and um, she wanted me to she asked if I was interested in, in talking about my experience there. And I wasn't, you know, because I, I wasn't there long enough. I was not one of these people that got arrested or shot or, you know, yeah. gassed or like that. I just went there. And in my opinion, I, I took when I went there. You know, I was not, I was not a hero in any way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm not an ambassador for that. You know, I wasn't there long enough. I, you know, I, I know a lot about it, but I don't know everything about it, you know? So, and it was too sensitive for me to, to approach in that way. So I told her no, but, but she, uh, she was also trying to start this company and she wanted to tell stories from marginalized people, you know, yeah. like, uh, people of color or, you know, uh, different genders, you know, uh, all across the board, marginalized voices. And, it's important. and she, yeah. And she convinced me that, that my story would be, uh, something that, that would be helpful to her as well and, and moving her company forward. And, uh, you know, one of my big fears was, you know, because I, I, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, if I'm going to tell the story of, when I was there at Standing Rock, it's not going to mean jack to anybody if they don't know why it was important to me. Yeah. And in order to to share why it was important to me, I had to go all the way back to the beginning, yeah. you know. And not, and and it's weird because I, I was like, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I just started. Rem- I just tried to remember everything that I remembered, basically. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, what do I remember? And start, start as far back as I could go. And I remember going, uh, living in California uh, vaguely, you know, but I remember the stories they told me, you know, so those, those early stories are more like things that I heard, you know, that, that I, and then I do remember the first drink I had, I do very (laughs) specifically remember it, you know, and, and, um, so it's like, okay, I'm just going to tell this and see what happens. And theme started to come about that I was unaware of and I didn't know what it was going to be called. I didn't know what the trajectory of it was going to be. All I knew was that I was not going to illustrate that standing rock stuff. That's the only thing I knew going into it that I was just going to, that was going to be prose because I didn't want to illustrate it. And uh, so I just rolled with it. And this, this thing just happened organically. I mean, I did it in six months. There was a oh, wow. There is a deadline and, and I just had to do, I had to write like four pages a day wow. and wow. yeah. And, and illustrate it almost at that rate as well, you know? So, so, um, it just happened and I tried not to think too much about what anybody was going to think of me. You know, it was really yeah. like, Hey, I just need to tell, I'm, it's like, I'm telling a story to a friend or somebody who is, after a while, it became, a, I was telling a story to, to me, right? Yeah. 
So it's like, because I, I, and, and before I even started this, I went to a, in another indigenous Comic-Con, one in Denver. And, you know, I have, I have imposter syndrome, just like almost any mixed race person, you know, True. and, or anybody who's out there who, who has trouble believing in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and <laughs> I was surrounded by these, these incredible native creators, you know, film, film people, TV people, comics people, whatever it was, you know, writers. And we were all at a dinner and I told them about this opportunity. And, and I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified to tell the story. And I don't know if I, you know, I I don't know if it's okay for me to do. And thankfully they were all like, you had better do it. You You had better do it because there's not enough of us telling our stories as it is, you know, and, and not humans in general, but natives specifically, you know, and and at the time, Res Dogs wasn't around, you know, Rutherford Falls wasn't around. It was just like, okay, this void and okay, we need to fill this void with our voices. And so uh, I tackled it like that. And, you know, the question is, who's your audience, right? Because natives already know all this stuff. Yeah. That I'm, sure. And it's like, okay, am I just going to drag them through this experience that they most of them have been through and just like punish them or, or, um, or, or is this for a non-native audience? And it's like, okay, do I do I portray the the complexities and the difficulties? And the fact was, after a minute, I just had to say, like, Jim, you're talking to your younger self. You're talking to somebody who is mm-hmm. like you, or going going through things that you've been through. And your sole purpose is to show them that you have been through it and you ended up okay, and yeah. that it's. And so I just approached it in that way, you know, and, um, and, uh, I I finished it quickly and, and just every time I told, uh, I did a page, most of the pages are designed as one page stories, Okay, you know, some that bleed into three or four pages and, you know, and the standing rock stuff is its own thing. But for the most part, I just wanted each page to be like, okay, I write a page, I can close book now and know where I'm at, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but each time I finished a page, I was like, okay, you're just doing this for the editor. Don't think about whoever else might be reading it. You know, don't think about somebody who might take offense to this. Don't think about somebody who's going to be triggered by this, you know, just, just do the story. I I don't, I I don't think those were any of like, I don't think you have to worry about anybody being offended or triggered. If anything, it's like, I mean, there was just, it's so much, um, so much perspective on one's life in your story that I think it's beneficial for, I mean, like I was getting so much out of it and it was making me reflect on my own life and things I experienced and even other people that I knew and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like I said, like I don't read a ton of, autobiographies you know just because they yeah. tend to sometimes get a little uh, like i said hero's journey if you will uh but like yours just felt like such a um and maybe it was because you're tight deadlines and you were tackling it but like it felt like you were covering so much time and details of your life uh but like like you said like oh it would just be like a, a one one page story for like this this sequence of months or something like that or sequence of weeks of your life but uh, yeah no man i this is probably in my opinion it's the best mem- like memoir autobiography i've ever read like it uh i i love it i can't really say enough great things that's one of those where 
just just try. No. <laughs> <laughs> just try. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, one of the things I was really curious though is I was looking, I was like, why am I just because uh up here in Alaska, like they just had it at the store. Um we have like one major comic shop here in Alaska in Anchorage called Bosco's. And they highlighted it, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and nice. I was like, yeah, it was I was like, oh man, I was I had just got the book. I was reading it and I was like, oh cool. All right. I know I you know, I met Jim. That's awesome. And then I was like, well, when did this come out? It seemed like the book came out, what was like 2001 or something like that? And no, no, 20, 2020. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. 2021. Yeah. yeah 2020. Sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, we, we, but, we know. Continue. Yeah. But you say we all know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was there some kind of delay? Cause I'm seeing it pop up everywhere now. And it seems like it's getting a, a ton of attention. Is it, was it just, did it get lost during the, the craziness of the pandemic or well or, it was it was released during the pandemic okay which, which was a drag that was a yeah. huge because it did i mean it got nominated for the la book prize and oh wow when, and and it was all online and it was oh. like it was like oh man when am i ever ever gonna be at the la book prize yeah it yeah rub shoulders with all these incredible authors that was yeah. my chance. That was my one chance. And I'm yeah. sitting in my underwear watching it on a screen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was released during the pandemic. And also, you know, Street Noise, like I said, Liz was running this company out of her apartment in Brooklyn, you know? So it was okay. like, it wasn't like Simon and Schuster and like a big push, you know? Yeah. It was just like, here's this book. This is how many we were, we were able to make. And, uh, Thankfully, it's had some legs, you know, and and people seem to pass it on to each other, you know, and uh, and that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I think the reason that you're seeing it right now is because it's Indigenous Heritage Month. Oh, and, OK. Yeah. And, you know, I, I <laughs> last month, October is a big month for me because I'm a big horror nerd, you know, and I'm yeah. like okay, all the movies are coming back. You know, I'm going to the revival screens. I'm going to go see Near Dark on the big screen. Okay, when, you know, and all that stuff. And suddenly all these people are reaching out to me, like NPR reached out to me. And I was like, why? But, you, know, <laughs> you want to talk about monsters? You <laughs> why do you want to hear from me? You know, and I'm speaking at a couple libraries next month in the Midwest. Oh. Here. And I was like, what is the deal? And then I was like, Oh, it's it's uh, Columbus Day. It's in, it's at National Indigenous Peoples Day. You know that's yeah. why. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, this uh, November is Indigenous Month, and so all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you come speak to the library? And I was like, oh, there's just not a lot of us. So they're, <laughs> they're like, who do we who do we know that uh, that is native? You know, and mm-hmm. so so there's been there's been a little bit of that this month, and. So now that I've recognized what it is, it's more, it's more manageable, but I was like, what is going on? What is the deal? Yeah. Um, so whatever, for whatever reason it is, I'm, I'm really grateful that it was, that, it, that it's still, you know, people are still even interested or hearing about it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I've had a few people, I mentioned that you were coming on the show uh, when you and I started talking to a few folks and um, I, it was kind of crazy how many people were like, Oh, oh yeah. Let me know what he's like. Uh, let us, let us know. Maybe we'll, we'll see if we can get him on our show. And so I was like, tell everybody yeah. I'm super mysterious. We will. Yeah. Super mysterious. Absolutely. Really? 
just a mystery of a human being. Yeah. <laughs> mystery of a human being. Here is his soul in this book, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you would actually, I think you'd actually dig it right now at, um, uh, I, I can, there's a small, uh, uh, native comic group here in Anchorage. And I was working with them for when they were first kind of getting rolling, but they just did a m- monster year long exhibit over at uh, the Anchorage art museum, like right downtown center of the city. Oh, cool. And cool. it, ta- I mean, it's, it's got this huge interactive space where like people can go in and learn how it's, to like make I, comics. I haven't got to go there, but I've seen the pictures. It's amazing. Yeah. And, oh. uh, one of the guys, one of the main artists who's featured, he had a graphic novel. He's from this village, uh, the village of Chickaloon up here. And, uh, he's, he's like around, I think mine and Bry's age, but, uh, he's down, I think he's, I think they're living in, he's in Seattle these days, right? I think that's where yeah. Jimmy's at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so like they had like, they've got like some of his panels and pages that are blown up like life size. So you can actually walk into like a giant, uh, like a uh, cityscape and stuff like that. And then um, there's another, um, they've got some other just, just really cool indigenous projects that are going on there that are within the, this comic group. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll send you some info about it after, after the, after we get done recording here, I, I think you yeah. dig it. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, and that'll still be up in April when I come up. Yeah, it's sweet. They're keeping up for an entire year. And then throughout the year, they're going to try and do um, pretty much every month. They're going to try and incorporate some kind of like comic related project or indigenous comic related project. So, uh, like, I'm doing some stuff in December. Like, was it the the next first? That'd be what, December 1st? I'm going to do a little speaking thing, but I'm going to give them a copy of this. Um, cause I think that, uh, they would dig this a lot, man. Like, uh, I don't know. That would be fantastic. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd love, I'd love to hear, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it's weird and it's wonderful that people have reached out to me. You know, I've never had anybody reach out, send an email just because they read something that I did. You know, it's like, Oh, I, I read that Alice Cooper versus chaos book and it really, you know, had a def- no, that never happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. But people have emailed me and just said like, Hey, I related to this thing. And, and it's usually something that I had no idea anybody, anybody would have like, you know, um, uh, I think I'm getting tired. <laughs> but anybody would have, have a, a similar reaction to a situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, th- that was one of the reasons why, I mean, we met you at Seattle and, yep. you, you know, we talked that morning It was, and hung out a little bit and it was really great hanging out. But I mean, when I read your, your book, I was, I was like, oh man, we got to get him on the podcast. Like the first thing I did, I called up Brian. Yep. It was probably like 10 at night and I'm like, Hey man, we got to get Jim on. Like this, this yeah. book is pretty, pretty awesome. We got to let people know about it. Like this oh, is cool. I yeah. yeah I'm, I was glad to have heard from you. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, those cons are always so crazy and I know we talked for, but I like, I can't even remember like what we talked about. Cause I think I was like probably in the middle of finishing up a commission for somebody that morning. And, and I, and I remember you came by and you bought the book and, and we all chatted for a bit, like, but uh, I think it was, everybody's like in that weird con haze, right? Where you're just like, okay, another day, like, let's get ready. <laughs> let's do yeah, this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh that was a dead con for me. I 
they had me in a weird spot. So yeah, you were like tucked over against the wall. It was like really weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I, I, I'd done that show a few times and mostly I go because I, I like walking around Seattle. And sure. I, I like check that out. And, um, but I, I try to walk around a convention. I try to walk around artist alley and buy something from everybody that is, yeah. um, that's doing comics. Yeah. You know, I can't, uh, I, I'm not going to buy a print from everybody, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, and so like when somebody, I know the struggle of doing your own comics. And so, uh, man, when I did my first book, it was like, I spent who knows how many hours just drawing it, right? You mm-hmm. spend you spend four or six hours drawing a page and then, and the, and you do 22 of them and then you have to go to a printer. And this was before like Kablam and all those guys, you know, this was right. like to an actual printer and show them how a comic book is made. And, and, and then I pay them a ridiculous amount oh. like two bucks an issue at the time so crazy and so you and then you 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 get them you you put them in a in a suitcase and you you carry it to a con and then you set up and you buy the table at the convention and then you set up and you try and sell them for three dollars an issue and people are like yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah it's heartbreaking and then they go buy a Boba Fett print that's Photoshop right next to you. you know? <laughs> oh man, nothing. <laughs> oh, makes go me. here we go. Here we oh, go. Oh <laughs> man, that. So, so oh. understand. I understand the struggle. So when I'm at these yeah. shows, I always walk around and see who is making comics. Yeah. You know, yeah. comics. I want to buy your comic. You know well, what? You, you, know, you, you know what I go for is I go for the like. The ash cans or like the, like you said, the little Xerox handmade comics, like that's my jam and man. art books. And yeah. And okay. I'll get art books too. Just cause it's like, I feel like it's a lot for a lot of illustrators or comic artists. That's like some of their best stuff, but nobody ever sees it. Cause it's not like, well, it's not Spider-Man. It's just, these are my collections of dinosaurs that I draw for fun. Or this is my, you know, my animal book. I'll buy those. Cause I, you know, I yeah. like those too. Yeah. Uh, but oh man, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's, it's goddamn vector trace of some <laughs> celebrity on a pinup. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I speak that language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get. All right. Well, we don't. I know it's late where you're at, yeah. so I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah. Um, Bry, I think it's time. All right. What, wait, wait, wait. What's the time for? The question. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that we ask everybody uh, who comes on our on our show. But you know, first you're you're of the age because our last our last episode when I asked this question, uh, he wasn't of the age, so he didn't really. He was like, oh, I don't know. Better. This isn't the actual question, but better opening, better theme song, A Team or Magnum PI. I asked the tough questions here. <laughs> Shoot. I don't, you know, I, I watched the A team. I don't know if I can think of the Magnum PI theme. Whoa. Song. I mean, I remember the short shorts and the, and Definitely everything, not. but I, 
I do know the A team one. Okay. I, I think the so A team. I got to go A team. A team takes A-team. it by default there. Yeah. All right. Um, I remember Remember the if I heard the Magnum PI, I, I would probably immediately be flooded with uh, memory. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, you know, I think that's I th- that's the only reason why A Team is winning vastly in this this questionnaire because I, for some reason that song is way more memorable. People who haven't even seen the TV show know the theme song. Yeah, that's yeah. my theory. Yeah, that's. My I, think theory. Right. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're probably sing the Fall Guy theme song for you because that was on right after the A Team. Nice. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, okay. On to the real question. So, uh, if you had the ability to do a mini series of any character licensed property, it doesn't have to be a comic character. It could be, you know, TV show, book, movie, whatever, whatever it would be. What would you want to do? The spirit. Oh, Ooh, nice. nice. Very nice. Immediate answer, the spirit. Like <laughs> you didn't even have to think about no. that. No, that is that has been in my mind. I actually sent pages to Dynamite to try and get on their spirit stuff when they had it. Oh, really? Yeah. Any any back and forth? Or uh, I don't think, they're not was, doing I mean, spirit once, anymore, right? Once Matt Wagner attached himself, it was like, okay, I'm I'm not going to be involved. I can't. I can't. It's Matt Wagner. You know, it's like yeah. they're not it's me to do it. You know, but uh, yeah, I would love to do the spirit. I'd love to do a little six issue thing. I mean, I'm not going to be Will Eisner and I'm not going to be Darwin Cook, but I I feel like I could tell a good spirit story. Yeah, definitely. You should hit up your buddy uh, Seeley. He might uh, he might be able to pull some strings. Might be able to make that happen. <laughs> he knows a lot of people. <laughs> Tim does know a lot of people, and I feel like I have tapped him on that many a times over the years. He's, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's an, it's yeah. like a it's an annual thing. Hey, man. Let me get on this. Who do you know? I need the spirit. You know, I was at I was at the San Diego Comic Con. It's the only time I ever went, and I had a couple amazing experiences mm-hmm. there. And one of them was a panel with uh, Phil. Uh, what is his name? He he was running DC for a minute. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, he actually wrote a book, a Will Eisner biography. I can't think of his name right now, but. He was talking about the spirit and he was talking about how the spirit was the first character he saw that was always beat up and he was always rugged looking and mm-hmm. his stuff torn and, and he'd have like a broken leg for three issues, you know? Yeah. And, and the way he put it was so beautiful. Um, it's because a city was hard, right? The world is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the spirit is always taking a beating because he can't. I right. He I is like that. taking a beating because he can, you know, and yeah. there's something about that that is like, oh, yeah, that's the story right there. Yeah. And man, you're making me think of uh, when my time at the Cuber School during the Paul Levitt. Have, who Paul, Paul Le- Le- who was it? Paul Levins? Levitt. Levitt. Okay. Uh, when I was at the Cuber School, I would have a lot of downtime oh. on that security gig. And they uh, they had the entire collection of uh, Will Eisner's The Spirit. Like they'd all been released in volumes. And yeah. I think the first one I read was it was volume four. I think it was, it was volume four. Anyways, it didn't matter. There was a story in there where the spirit was being held captive 
like in a basement of some building and there was this big thug with these big cauliflower ears like you know your typical 1920s like ex-boxer now heavy and uh he just essentially like the spirit gets out of the chair and he's trying to like he's gonna bust out of this basement and this this heavy just you're like oh the spirit's gonna beat him up the heavy just mops the floor just horribly beats him up we were like i was you know like i did combat sports as a kid you know wrestling and stuff so it was like oh ooh, like they're actually like showing like what it looks like to get hit like that yeah okay like it, it was kind of like for especially an older book to like you're like oh you're cringing a little bit at the page and i remember right then i was like oh man like talk about a character that embodies the time like that post great depression era you know pre-world war ii working up into world war ii like i don't know like there's something especially like with the city like new york chicago those places you know like they had these reputations for just like you really had to be a rough character to to make it work here you know in the big apple (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool i would do the spirit yeah, I like that or, or Conan. I would love to do a Conan book too, but I'm sort of doing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Con- I, they're doing Conan books still. I don't know. Who's oh yeah, doing Marvel these days, but so is yeah, Marvel still got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but okay. I would wanna, like I would want to do the Bissema, you know, uh, black and white. Oh, you know, that's the Conan I would want to do. Mm-hmm. I would want harken back to the early '80s and the Savage Sword. Oh yeah, yeah. That would the stuff, uh, the stuff they're doing now is too technically beautiful for me. I I, I want to see the ink lines and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Some little little grittier, little dirtier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hell yeah. I'll, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, I I think Busema sometimes is uh, another one of those names that uh, he kind of gets lost in the mix when they talk about the like legendary artists who had these massive contributions. You know, I don't hear his name mentioned enough. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like his, I I think that he did some of the best fight sequences and fight choreography on pages. Like it was kind of like, like that Will Eisner style where it was just real gritty and you you could feel each blow going punch for punch. I don't know. He was, he was a master of the human form and capturing it in action you know every i I can spot a busama pose from 100 feet away you know it's that leaning forward you know hands out and like in front of the other and and he drew conan like a like a panther yeah yeah you know and he and he had that energy and it's just it's just gorgeous and for anybody who is interested in like inking those early Savage Sword of Conan, the phone books, I don't know. They might be out of print and $500 a piece now, too. But, <laughs> but they were just phone books, and they are just repros of the black and white stuff. And Busema penciling them all, and they've got a different inker for every story. So oh, if you're right. in that process, you can see Busema pencils inked by, you know, uh, Alcala or, you know, just uh, – uh, or he does his own, or Tom, uh, Tom, shit, what's his name? Anyways, all all different kinds of anchors, all different approaches, and you see the core of the pencils interpreted by other people, and it's really interesting and fun to fun to check out. Yes, nice. yeah, I I might have to track some of those down now. 
Um, I, I think I, I have some, I have a Busema sketchbook that, uh, someone gave me a few years ago that was, he's got some form studies in there where you're just like, Oh man, like this guy was, he was one of the best. He's just so good. Yeah. And he really just, when he drew a guy, he really made him like, he had weight to him, you know, like, especially if it was like a, like a muscular type guy, like, like, like Conan, like he moved like a Panther, but man, he looked like he was like heavy, you know? And I feel like that's so hard to do. So hard to do. Love it. I love it. Yeah. It's best. All right. Well, we're getting long in the tooth here, yep. so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, it was a talking to you guys, man. Thanks for yeah. having me. Hey, our yeah, pleasure, man. man. Anytime you want to come back on, open invitation. Yeah. I'm very obliged. And, and if you if y'all are ever in Chicago, hit me up. Absolutely. Oh. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I I need to make more of a point of staying in contact with people. So you are on my list. I will probably just out of the blue. Hey, what's up, Jim? How's it going? What's new? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that I, I that's what you have to do. Yeah, that's what you have to do in in this industry and in any kind of creative industry. You have to, and I'm saying this for anybody who's listening who's like wants to do this stuff. Uh, right. what the, I, I was talking to this this uh, very very talented artist, and he was telling me something that Klaus Jansen told him once. Okay, and he said you have to you have to do two of three things to continue working in this industry. You have to be fast, you have to be good, or you have to be nice. Yeah, and yep. if you can do two of those three things, you can keep working. <laughs> Sound and, advice. You know, yeah, so it's like maintaining, talking to people. I was thrilled when you reached out to me. I remembered you well, you know. So it's like, it's like just keep in touch with people and be interested in what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, really all we can do, right? I mean, like it's it's special. It's such a unique zeitgeist that, uh, I don't know. It's just so full of so many interesting, different things and different perspectives and new stories that, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's the whole reason why we do the podcast, really, yep. you know, it's just this, but. Well, it's super cool talking to you guys. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that she asked me to, to sit and chat for a minute. Awesome. Ah, yeah. Likewise, man. Likewise. All right, Brian, do you want to take us home? I do. I do want to take us home. All right, Tiger Cubs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's always a privilege to be able to uh, do this and actually have people listen to it. I, we still don't know why people listen to it, but we're thankful and grateful that you do. Uh, if you want to find out what we have going on, all you need to do is go to our Substack, bluetigerrevenge.substack.com, and uh, sign up. It's free subscription. Anytime we post a new episode, anytime we post a new page of Operation Blue, it comes directly to your inbox, uh, and that is just the easiest, simplest way to do it. Um, and then finally, uh, Jim want to thank you for coming on uh let people know about uh just real quick your new your your graphic novel that you have out and uh where folks can find it uh well the one we were talking about come home indio that is uh it's fairly easy to find at any of your local comic shops or finer bookstores and it's uh if you don't see it there you can you can have it shipped um or if you're online i would recommend bookshop.org rather than any of the major conglomerates that are strangling life out of all small businesses. And, um, 
And uh, yeah, and then the other thing is Deathstalker, and that'll be out next year, probably early next year. And um, I think the first issue drops like in February or March, which is why I was hustling to get that thing done. But uh, yeah, just, you know, thank you for having me on. And and, uh, I look forward to seeing both of you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people can follow, you're on Instagram, correct? Yeah, mostly I'm on Instagram. I don't think I even, I don't know if I have a Twitter anymore (laughs) or whatever it's called. I Um, do not blame you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm at Jim Terry Art on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. uh, I have I have a big cartel and 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 all that other stuff too, which is all linked down there. Great. Great, excellent. Well, that is all I have, Tad. Do you have anything else? No, I'm actually all out of tiger milk, my friend. All right. Well, if that's the case, what time is it? Yeah, the music. 